When you're able to build good relationships with people, you'll find that business success comes to you naturally because being a business owner and having customers, especially the ones who come back again and again, is about building relationships. This is a critical skill that every entrepreneur who wants to be successful should be practicing. You simply won't have a full-time business for long unless you put these strategies into practice to win your customers over and keep them loyal and coming back to you. Welcome to the Freelance to Full-Time podcast. I'm your host, Precious Henshaw, and I've been in e-commerce for over a decade. I started my first creative business in 2012 on Etsy as an 18-year-old college student, but never really had the time to grow my business to where I wanted it to be until now. I'm scaling up from freelance creative work to earning a full-time sustainable income online, and I'm sharing tips, tricks, and strategies with you that I've learned along the way that are helping me get closer to my full-time goals. Follow me as I talk entrepreneurship, successes and struggles, and the strategies I'm using to build a business that supports my lifestyle so that you too can achieve your wildest dreams. I can't wait to take you on this journey with me. Let's begin. Hey friend, thanks for tuning in to the Freelance to Full-Time podcast. This episode is part two of a four-part book series where I'll be sharing and discussing advice from my favorite books on entrepreneurship, money, and success, and how the advice from these books are helping me make more in my business this year. I consider these books required reading for entrepreneurs. These are written about some of the most successful people in history by some of the most successful people in history. This is inner circle knowledge and insight, ideas and strategies that at one time were not accessible to the average person like me or you. Luckily for us, we now have access to the framework these high-achieving business owners used, and we can use this advice to our advantage to help us achieve success in our businesses too. This episode is called How to Win and Influence Your Buyers, and the book I'll be sharing from is called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It was written in 1936 and it sold over 30 million copies. Dale Carnegie understood human nature. He discusses the psychology of people and how to use this to build solid relationships and influence people to follow in your direction. Financial success, Carnegie believed, is due 15% to professional knowledge and 85% to the ability to express ideas, to assume leadership, and to arouse enthusiasm among people. When you're able to build good relationships with people, you'll find that business success comes to you naturally because being a business owner and having customers, especially the ones who come back again and again, is about building relationships. This is a critical skill that every entrepreneur who wants to be successful should be practicing. You simply won't have a full-time business for long unless you put these strategies into practice to win your customers over and keep them loyal and coming back to you. This is information that will never become outdated, standing the test of time for nearly a hundred years. In this episode, let's get into three ways to win and influence your buyers to come back to you over and over again, helping you grow and sustain your business and also keep them happy. But before I get into this episode, if you have found this podcast helpful and inspiring in your journey, if you learned something new or I gave you an idea that helped you in your business, can you kindly take a few seconds to leave a review on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, or you can leave a like and a comment on YouTube or TikTok if that's where you're watching. This tells the platform that you find my podcast 
podcast valuable and it helps my podcast rank higher so that more creatives like you can find it. I really appreciate it and I love to shout out the people who leave comments and reviews and I can't wait to shout you out when I read yours. I love this comment from one of my listeners. Here's what it says. Wow, very new to trying to transition from a hobby to seriously growing my art biz. So I'm following and listening to learn. I'll check out your Patreon as well and digital prints. Wow, very appealing to me. Hashtag passive income. Love your content. Thank you. Thank you so much for this. I love that I'm inspiring many artists and creatives to turn their hobby into a full-time business. I can't wait for all of us to wake up every day getting to do what we love and make enough money to sustain our lifestyles. That is the dream. So the first way to win and influence your buyers is by saying their name. According to the book, remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. The importance of remembering and using names is not just the prerogative of kings and corporate executives. It works for all of us. Ken Nottingham, an employee of General Motors in Indiana, usually had lunch at the company cafeteria. He noticed that the woman who worked behind the counter always had a scowl on her face. She had been making sandwiches for about two hours and I was just another sandwich to her. I told her what I wanted. She weighed out the ham on a little scale, then she gave me one leaf of lettuce, a few potato chips, and handed them to me. The next day, I went through the same line, same woman, same scowl. The only difference was that I noticed her name tag. I smiled and said, hello Eunice, and then told her what I wanted. Well, she forgot the scale, piled on the ham, gave me three leaves of lettuce, and heaped on the potato chips until they fell off the plate. We should be aware of the magic contained in a name and realize that this single item is wholly and completely owned by the person with whom we are dealing with and nobody else. The name sets the individual apart. It makes him or her unique among all others. The information we are imparting or the request we are making takes on a special importance when we approach the situation with the name of the individual. From the waitress to the senior executive, the name will work magic as we deal with others. When someone acknowledges us, it makes us feel important and special. The encounter we have with someone who calls us by name feels so much sweeter. Carnegie goes on to say that John Dewey, one of America's most profound philosophers, said that the deepest urge in human nature is the desire to be important. When we call out our customer by their name, it triggers this feeling of importance and it's far more likely that they will become and remain loyal to our brand. So how can we practice this? When I send email campaigns to my past customers on MailChimp, I use something called a merge tag that automatically adds my customer's first name in the email. This makes it feel more personal to them, as though I wrote the email just for them, even though I'm sending it to hundreds of other customers. Each of those customers will feel like this is a personal email to them from me. I talk more about my email list in episode 63. Also, when I message my customers on Etsy and Amazon after they place an order, asking them how they like the product and if they could leave a review, I have a template where all I have to do is add their name. Every customer is getting getting the same message, except I add in their name first. This has really helped me increase the number of customers who leave a review on my store and who join my email list. This is how I'm building solid and lasting relationships with my customers. I talk more about how I get up to 10% of my customers to leave a review on my store in episode 97. The second way to win and influence your buyers is by keeping the other person's interest in mind. From the book, talk in terms of the other person's interests. 
Edward E. Harriman of Hagerstown, Maryland, chose to live in the beautiful Cumberland Valley of Maryland after he completed his military service. Unfortunately, at the time, there were few jobs available in the area. A little research uncovered the fact that a number of companies in the area were either owned or controlled by an unusual business maverick, R.J. Funkhauser, whose rise from poverty to riches intrigued Mr. Harriman. However, he was known for being inaccessible to job seekers. Mr. Harriman wrote, I interviewed a number of people and found that his major interest was anchored in his drive for power and money. Since he protected himself from people like me by use of a dedicated and stern secretary, I studied her interests and goals and only then I paid an unannounced visit at her office. She had been Mr. Funkhauser's orbiting satellite for about 15 years. When I told her I had a proposition for him which might translate itself into financial and political success for him, she became enthused. I also conversed with her about her constructive participation in his success. After this conversation, she arranged for me to meet Mr. Funkhauser. I entered this huge and impressive office determined not to ask directly for a job. He was seated behind a large carved desk and thundered at me. How about it, young man? I said, Mr. Funkhauser, I believe I can make money for you. He immediately rose and invited me to sit in one of the large upholstered chairs. I enumerated my ideas and the qualifications I had to realize these ideas, as well as how they would contribute to his personal success. RJ, as he became known to me, hired me at once and for over 20 years, I have grown in his enterprises and we both have prospered. So the way this guy, Mr. Harriman, got a job that would have been otherwise inaccessible to him was by finding out the interests of the employer, Mr. Funkhauser, and also his secretary. Then, after getting this information, he immediately led with what his work could do for them. It's all about what the other person is getting out of the deal. When it comes to our customers, it's no different. You have to lead with what benefit they get out of buying your product. That's how you get sales. So when you're writing your description, which a customer is looking at after they click your listing, but before they add it to their cart, this is where you want to lead with what the customer is getting out of the purchase. You want to tell them the benefit of your product, how it helps them, how it improves their life, and how not having it is detrimental and you should lead with this. You don't want to lead with things like the dimensions and the weight of it, the specs and the features, because this is not as important to the customer. These things aren't telling the customer what they get out of it. This is how you make your listing stand out from others and what makes customers more likely to add your product to their cart over your competitors. The final tip on winning and influencing your buyers is to show respect for the other person's opinions. Never say you're wrong. From the book, don't argue with your customer or your spouse or your adversary. Don't tell them they are wrong. Don't get them stirred up. Use a little diplomacy. You can tell people they are wrong by a look or an intonation or a gesture just as eloquently as you can in words. And if you tell them that they're wrong, do you make them want to agree with you? Never. For you have struck a direct blow at their intelligence, judgment, pride, and self-respect. That will make them want to strike back, but it will never make them want to change their minds. You may then hurl at them all the logic of a Plato or an Emmanuel Kant, but you will not alter their opinions, for you have hurt their feelings. 
Never begin by announcing, I'm going to prove so-and-so to you. That's bad. That's tantamount to saying, I'm smarter than you are. I'm going to tell you a thing or two and make you change your mind. That's a challenge. It arouses opposition and makes the listener want to battle with you before you even start. It is difficult, under even the most benign conditions, to change people's minds. So why make it harder? Why handicap yourself? If you're going to prove anything, don't let anybody know it. Do it so subtly, so adroitly, that no one will feel that you are doing it. This was expressed succinctly by Alexander Pope. Men must be taught as if you taught them not, and things unknown proposed as things forgot. Over 300 years ago, Galileo said, you cannot teach a man anything. You can only help him to find it within himself. As Lord Chesterfield said to his son, be wiser than other people if you can, but do not tell them so. Socrates said repeatedly to his followers in Athens, one thing only I know, and that is I know nothing. Well, I can't hope to be any smarter than Socrates, so I have quit telling people they are wrong, and I find that it pays. If a person makes a statement that you think is wrong, yes, even that you know is wrong, isn't it better to begin by saying, well, now look, I thought otherwise, but I may be wrong. I frequently am, and if I am wrong, I want to be put right. Let's examine the facts. There is magic, positive magic, in such phrases as, I may be wrong, I frequently am, let's examine the facts. Nobody in the heavens above or on earth beneath or in the waters under the earth will ever object to you saying, I may be wrong, let's examine the facts. So in the case of us business owners, we can use this strategy to diffuse arguments with our customers. I shared in episode 62 how I dealt with angry customers and one-star reviews. The key is never telling them they're wrong, even if they are. I believe I shared an example of one of my customers not knowing how to use a graphic design of mine that she downloaded. She sent me an angry message basically accusing me of fraud because my file wasn't working in her software. Because I'm pretty experienced in the software myself, Myself, I knew that she probably tried to upload the zip folder directly to the software, which is how I have to compress the file so that Etsy will accept it. But she probably knows nothing about file compression or how to unzip a compressed folder, so she blamed me for it. Of course, in that moment, I was thinking, how dare she accuse me of scamming her? I run an honest business. But she never saw that side of me. Instead, knowing what I know, I told her, I'm really sorry about this, and I assure you I didn't scam you. Etsy only allows five files to be uploaded at a time. And since your order contains more than this, I had to compress the files into a folder, which needs to be uncompressed before you can access the files within and upload them to your software. The software won't accept the zipped folder. Here's how to unzip it. After following my instructions, she said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I feel so silly. Your instructions work perfectly and thank you for your help. Then she left me a five-star review. Do you think that would have happened if I had given her a piece of my mind when I was angry? No she probably would have still thought I was scamming her and left me a nasty one-star review about how fraudulent and rude I am as a seller. Diplomacy, the ability to handle these kinds of situations without becoming a slave to your own emotions is a key success factor in business owners. I myself can be really hot-tempered and in that moment, I felt like saying what was on my mind. But remember, you can't take words back and when you're emotional, it clouds your judgment. So I always handle these situations in a level-headed way. I don't retaliate against my customers, even if they might be wrong because that's what people do when they 
necessarily act out of emotion. If I acted out of emotion, I would have just said things that would make her angrier. Instead, I calmly explained the situation and helped her out and she appreciated that so much that she left a positive review for me. Similarly, I've turned other one-star reviews into five-star ones by reaching out after the customer left a negative review and asking them how I could help or what happened and how I could make it better. That's basically me saying, hey customer, I could be wrong here. Let's examine the facts and what happened and find a solution. People appreciate that a lot and more than likely it will turn them around in your favor. Oftentimes my customers are completely new to using graphic designs and they're just frustrated. Learning something new is frustrating, especially if you spent some money on it. Remember that even if your customers are wrong, never make them feel like they're wrong. Instead, if they're getting angry and emotional, meet that energy with calmness and tact to diffuse it and offer solutions. So there you have three ways to win and influence your buyers. Remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Talk in terms of the other person's interests and show respect for the other person's opinions. Never say you're wrong. These strategies from the book How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie will help you build long-lasting relationships with the people who literally keep your business going, your customers. There are a lot more principles in the book I didn't mention here, so do check it out on Audible and take a listen while you're creating. What did you think of the episode? Let me know in the comments below or take a screenshot and share your thoughts with me on Instagram at Freelance Full Time. And until next week, take care. Thanks for listening to the Freelance to Full Time podcast. If you found this episode helpful, leave a like and a comment below. If you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening to the audio, take a screenshot and share your thoughts with me on my Instagram at freelance to full time. Also, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening. This helps my podcast rank higher and helps me reach more creatives with big goals and dreams, just like you and me. I can't wait to talk to you next week. Until next time, friend, take care.